0: Thank you, Lord. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh. Oh, we are so thankful, Lord. So thankful, Lord. Let him know how you feel. Yes. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? He's so worthy. So worthy. Every baptism is a reflection of the missional God who came from heaven to be with us, to be one of us, to captivate our hearts and turn us from darkness into light. And that celebration is just a taste of our reunion coming in heaven with the risen King, with the returning King. So... Praise be to God. Father, we thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing in our midst, all that you're doing in this city. We thank you, Lord, that you never quit. We thank you that love never fails. We thank you, Father, for these testimonies today of your great love. We praise you and honor you in this place. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to Marymount Community Church. If you're new with us here today, my name's Dennis. I'm just going to keep us going in the spirit of worship, and um, we're going to dive into the Word of God in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you have your uh, Bibles or or your devices with you. Um, We had some people that arrived early this morning. Um, because we canceled our nine o'clock service because of the flying pig. Uh, Anyway, just to let you know, you get an extra hour sleep next Saturday night. So don't be here at eight o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock in the morning, right? Okay. Um, One of the things we do here, uh, and and I'd like to take a quick survey, one of the things we do here, uh, well, that we did here pre-COVID was to have a light, snack meal in our fellowship area which is just down the hall that way and we usually do that between about 10 20 and 11 o'clock in between the services and so I just like I just like a show of hands um who who is ready to have some fellowship and some food and um to resume light bites and I know COVID and all that included but okay so about a third all right well we'll take that on board and uh, maybe, maybe uh, try it out once in November and uh, see how that works. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 um, is not a wedding passage. It's actually very apropos for use in a wedding, but it's parked in this letter to this messy, disobedient church. In Corinth uh, in between the chapter 12 which talks about spiritual gifts and chapter 14 which talks about spiritual gifts and Paul told us at the end of last week's passage uh, I'll show you the most excellent way and he has deliberately put that here so that the overwhelming motivation of the church whether it is serving or speaking, or moving in spiritual gifts of different kinds, that the motive would be love. And so it's in the middle here for that reason, so that we never forget that the greatest thing about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit is love. The greatest thing about the church is love. The greatest thing about the Bible is love. The greatest thing about Fellowship is love. The greatest thing about serving God is love. The greatest thing in all of creation is love. And so that's the, t- the title and the topic of our message this morning as uh, we dive into 1 Corinthians 13. And Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. These are the very words of God. Father, would you speak to each one of us today, each one here present, all of those watching online, that, Lord, we would come away with an understanding and a, and a new appreciation and a fullness of your love. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to look at today's text in four movements. They're pretty obvious as I read through. The first movement talks about spirituality utterly fails if it is not done in love. The second part I'm calling Jesus embodies the fullness of love. We'll see that in verses 4 to 7. The third, that Jesus will return because love never fails. And the mark of that is his return. And then finally, the concluding summary of the whole passage. Beautiful little poem, beautiful poem, is that the greatest thing is love. So let's dive in. Movement number one. So spirituality utterly fails without love. You know, it is not the truth that we know. It is not the knowledge that we possess that is important it's not the information that we've become aware of Uh, it's not our gifts it's not our sacrifices it's not even our experiences with God that God is after it's love love is what God values and this church here in Corinth I think I've got a picture of what Corinth looks like today that's it um That's all there is left. But at the time, this church was divided. It was out of order on many levels. The rich were taking, uh, having private feasts and taking communion uh, without the poor involved. Uh, They had divisions on who in the leadership they really liked the best. Uh, They had divisions based on gifts. And some were saying because they had certain gifts that they were superior to the others. And therefore, this church was uh, full of themselves, full of offense, actually, and they gave Paul fits. He wrote in another letter that he was, uh, it was like death when he was dealing with the Corinthian church. They made him crazy. When I think about my biggest failures, when I think about my biggest failures in life in general, but also my biggest failures as a pastor here, it is because I've not absorbed this passage deeply into my heart. And it it really gets tough sometimes because uh, with COVID, it has been almost impossible to love everyone in an acceptable way. And whenever you are attempting to love and you are missing some people, then you're missing the mark of this whole passage. And I've done that several times. Uh, I hope to get better at it. But when you're in a bind and you're stuck and you are dealing with two seemingly opposite things that you, you are finding difficulty loving, stop and read this passage and ask God to show you how to love the way he would. And he will make a way through that quagmire for you. But it is not the way of God to love some and hate others or lo- not love others. There is always there's always an answer it may take longer it may not fit our timing it may be painful but that is, that is the one thing I want to say right here because this, this church was missing the mark dramatically and it reminds me of the times I missed the mark so if we have all these gifts if we sacrifice and it, and it ends up that in sacrificing we get cranky or we get Uh, self-righteous or we get uh, offended by others who don't sacrifice and we begin to look at others around us, then we're missing the mark. And our spirituality in that moment is worthless. Our spiritual gifts are worthless. Our wisdom is worthless. The the fact that our faith moves mountains is worthless because we have not found the most excellent way. And I want to just challenge us with that because it is, it is difficult. It is excruciatingly difficult. But that is, that is what is going on here. You can have all this wonderful stuff and if you haven't figured out how to love all those around you, then... Um, and, and by the way, I'm not saying pleasing all those around you. Yeah. I'm not saying pleasing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about the inner workings of the heart and how I'm proceeding or you're proceeding through a certain situation to, to uh, find the way to love. And, and, you know, with COVID and the separation that has occurred, it has been really difficult. And we've, I've failed. And even as a church, we failed. But we, we also don't stay there. We also don't beat ourselves up. We... we confess that revelation and we move on as we do in all things in the Christian life. So remember spirituality utterly fails without love. Now before I go to the second point, I want to get some help from the kids today. We don't have kids ministry today uh, in our usual format so I want to get some help from the kids. I want you kids to tell me what what is love? All right, Maribel. Okay, love is that you like somebody or some things, like you love pizza. Okay, got it. All right, thank you for that definition. Anybody else? Okay, Luke, what's love? You forgot. Okay, I'm going to come back to you. Keep working on it. All right, anybody else? What is love? Do we have any? Where? Oh, okay, yes. Putting someone else's needs before yours. Excellent. Great definition. Way to go. Anybody else? Luke, how are you doing over there? Okay, he's good? All right. Okay. Anybody else? Any big people want to try? What did Liam say? Me? Me? <laughs> Me? Liam says, I'm love. Okay, all right. I thought you were going to say your mom, Liam. So, well, we've already had some really good help because it, it it can be it can be a noun, it can be a verb. Okay, Annalise, when you care, when you care for somebody or something very deeply. All right, excellent. I think we're done. Actually, actually. That is a great definition because uh, as we read through this passage, we start seeing a lot of the different things that are going on and that Paul is defining uh, as the qualities of love. What, what, what does love look like? What does love feel like? What does love... Uh, what, what do you experience when you are coming into contact with love? So I want to I summarize... That by saying that Jesus embodies the fullness of love. Because as we think about this passage, as you go through patient, kind, not keeping record of wrongs, etc., you start to get the feeling that they're describing a person, don't you? As you go through, because it's the experience of being with that person and the experience of the qualities that they are that they are uh, demonstrating in there. So in verses 4 to 7, I think we're getting a description of Jesus. Um, Can I have that next slide? Next one. All right. So I think we're getting a picture of Jesus because we're getting patience and kindness, generosity, humility, one who honors others, one who is selfless, one who is peaceful, one who is forgiving, one who is obedient, who's truthful, who's protective, who's trusting, who's hopeful, who's persevering. When I look at uh, when I look at these qualities, it begins to paint a picture of the person of Jesus. In, in the many facets of how he came to the earth, how he had patience with his disciples, with those around him, how he dealt with those that were offended against him, those who wanted to kill him, uh, even on the cross, forgiving the people who actually had killed him. Uh, when, we think about, uh, when we think about Jesus, we start to get a picture here But here is what it isn't. It isn't mushy. It isn't sentimentality. Those things may be part of our experience, but the way Paul defines it, it is is actually a person, and it at the same time is a profound calling to us to be this type of person, to embody these qualities in First uh, John, the letter of First John, uh, we see uh, this played out a little bit, but we see in that list, we see fierceness. We see a certain level of scandalousness where Jesus would be kind to someone who's not kind to them. We would see a costliness. We would see the confronting of evil, and we would see the melting of stubbornness. In fact, in love, we would see the healing of the wounds of the other. And here's how John says it. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So the cross of Jesus is the picture of the love of God. And it goes on to say, if anybody acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. The the two brothers who were baptized today have acknowledged that Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is living in them, and they are obeying to the call to baptism that we saw take place today. And in summary, we love because He first loved us. So if you're here today, and you have not heard this definition of love, you might begin to think and experience the Spirit calling on you to this lifestyle of love. And this lifestyle of love is embodied in a person, and you can be in that relationship with that person of love by faith. And you can begin to experience these qualities that we had up on the sh- in greater measure Jesus actually shows us how to love he enables us to love he enables us to exchange our unlove for his love our impatience for his patience whenever we answer the call to follow Jesus, we're actually exchanging our life for His. That's the good news of Christ, that He came to offer us an exchange, our life, our failure, our inability to love for His life, His love, and His walk uh, of love. So Jesus actually shows us how to love. So what I wanted to do, just to get this passage into our bones, is uh, to have you stand. And uh, there's a text here, and if this is describing the ultimate love of God, if the word love, agape, is the love of God, then we can substitute in this passage love for the word Jesus. We can say Jesus is patient, Jesus is kind, etc., But I wanted to go a step further because I wanted to continue in a place of worship for us to declare these things about him uh, and who he is. So this is our, our worship to substitute his name for the word love, but then to address it to him personally. So let's try this together. Jesus, you are patient and so kind. Jesus, you do not envy or boast. Jesus, you are not proud. Jesus, you do not dishonor others. Jesus, you are not self-seeking. Jesus, you are not easily angered, and you keep no record of wrongs. Jesus, you never delight in evil. Jesus, you rejoice with the truth. Jesus, you always protect and trust and hope. Jesus, you persevere until the end. Jesus, you are worthy of my highest praise and thanks. Amen. Thank you for worshiping the Lord. Now it's in our bones. Now it's in our hearts. And uh, uh, as we finish the message today, we're going to ask Jesus to download all those qualities in us. But that's, uh, that's movement number four. Let me shift over to movement number three because it talks about completeness coming. So it, 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 it begins with the thesis of that third section is that love never fails. And then it goes on to describe what that means and it, and it talks about completeness coming in verse 10. Many scholars have said, oh, that's, that's in reference to the Bible being completed. And when the Bible is completed, which got sorted out around the second century, then we won't need all these gifts. The tongues will be stilled and prophecy will cease and all these things. So they, 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 they take completeness comes, And they say, ah, that's why the spiritual gifts are not available anymore. That's the logic, and it comes from 1 Corinthians 13, verse 10, in this section that we're going to look at right now. But it's interesting because if you look at the whole letter and you go back to chapter 1 in 1 Corinthians, uh, we see that it actually is not the completion of the Bible that they're talking about. It's the return of Jesus they're talking about. And this is why I believe that point of view is correct, because in the first part of the letter, in chapter 1, verses 4 to 9, it says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. That means for Him to be revealed on His return, as you can see by the next verse. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. The day of our Lord Jesus Christ is clearly the day of the Lord, the return of Jesus, Revelation chapter 19. So what Paul is saying is you have spiritual gifts until Jesus returns. And you also have uh, the work of Jesus to keep you firm until the end. So not only is Jesus running, is, is he running after us, but he's keeping us firm until the end. So he's playing a role in our steadfastness in our faith. And spiritual gifts are a part of that. So when we go back to chapter 13, love never fails. That is the thesis, the headline. uh, Because when completeness comes, these gifts will no longer be necessary. When Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom... We will not need these. We will be operating in a different, in a completely different fashion. He will be on the earth, king of the earth, ruling from Jerusalem uh, in in what scholars call the millennial kingdom for a thousand years. He will rule uh, in that, and he will be on the earth. And so at that time, tongues will be stilled because they will be seeing the Lord Jesus and worshiping Him and operating and serving in His kingdom. So, we have this beautiful picture in this this section, not of the completion of the Bible, but of the the promised return of Christ. And then, uh, it is then that love never fails, will be fully realized. Because right now we have the kingdom. It's here, but it's not fully here. We have uh, we have prophecy, but it's not 100.0% accurate. We have all the things that we see in the kingdom, but not everyone is getting healed. Some people are going on to... Die, which is their permanent healing. So we see here that this is about the the absolute steadfast faith we can put in the return of Christ and his return and that until then he will keep us and he will provide spiritual gifts for us to use in love for the edification of the church, for the building up of the body, for the strengthening of the body, for the common good, as we've been looking at. And that brings us uh, to uh, the fourth movement, and that is the conclusion. So, gifts without love is nothing. Love itself can be seen and enjoyed and experienced by faith in Christ, and we also can get on that journey of becoming lovers like Him and that those qualities are not always uh, the sentimental things that we often associate with love, but they are the things of patience and kindness and truthfulness and obedience uh, and righteousness that is coming from the blood of Christ. Tracking with me? Okay, so the, the passage finish, and now these three remain... Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Faith is wonderful. Without faith, we cannot please God. Hope is wonderful because we have not seen the return of Christ, but we hope in the return of Christ. It is something that we hope for. But when he returns, we won't live by faith anymore. We'll live by sight. He will be with us in person. Uh, and the hope that we have will be fulfilled. But love will continue. Love will last forever. Love will be the central motivator of the kingdom of God. Love will be the experience that we have. The qualities that we have. Without sin. Without tears. Without suffering. And so love fully available then, is also available now in the person of Christ. And the greatest of these is love. Look at all of the people that Jesus discipled. Well, let's start with Jesus. Love one another the night before he was crucified. And then Paul. Paul will say, love fulfills the law. Paul will say, follow the way of love. Paul will say, do everything in love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Then James will say, the royal law is love. Peter will say, love covers a multitude of sins. And John will say, God is love. And Jude will say, keep yourselves in God's love. Almost every letter in the Bible, in the New Testament, Has a different theme and a different purpose, but this is the common thing that runs through the entire utterances of Jesus and all those he chose to write the scripture. Love, love, love. Love in prayer, love in worship, love in serving, love in the use of our gifts, love in parenting, love in marriage, love in friendship, love in the neighborhood. Love in our work. Love, love, love. Because the greatest of these is love. How good is that? How good is that? Do you want more love? Do you want more love? Okay. I'm going to have the uh, worship team to come on up. And I'm going to have you all stand again. I'm doing all this exercise in honor of the flying pig. <laughs> I want you all to stand and we are going to we are going to ask Jesus for the qualities of love. So I just I just want you as you stand to hold your hands out expect to receive expect to receive But let's pray this together. And I didn't put an amen at the end, which means so be it. So let's add an amen to the end, okay? Let's pray together. Jesus, make us patient. Jesus, make us kind. Jesus, heal us from envy. Jesus, remove our boasting and our pride. Jesus, help us honor others jesus make us selfless jesus free us from anger and offense jesus help us forgive freely jesus cause us to hate evil jesus let us only rejoice in the truth jesus empower us to protect one another jesus help us trust one another Jesus, may we always hope and persevere as we dwell in you. Amen. Lord, as we pray now, would you pour out by your spirit your love on this church, on each one of us, on each family, on every relationship. Holy Spirit, fill our hearts to overflowing with the beautiful, endless, reckless love of God and the church agreed and said amen, let's worship the Lord Jesus, thank you for your courageous love, Jesus thank you for your brave love, thank you for your gritty love Thank you for your bloody love. Thank you for your endless love. Thank you for your truthful love. Thank you for your forgiving love. Thank you for your obedient love. Thank you for your patient love. Thank you for your kind love. Thank you for your selfless love. You are amazing, Jesus. If there are those here today that want to make today the day that they pledge allegiance to Jesus and His love, then uh, the band's going to play a little bit more after the benediction, and I'll stand up front here, and I would love to talk with you and pray with you to start your journey with Jesus today. as a benediction, um, I'd like us to say this and speak this over our, each other. Do you have that last slide there? So it's from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. Let's say it together and speak it over each other as brothers and sisters. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Have a blessed week. Take the kingdom with you and uh, bring it to those who are hurting, who are lost, who are broken, who are needy. As you go, in your place of work, in your neighborhood, uh, in your school, wherever you go, bring the hope of Jesus with you. Amen. Be blessed.